This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate.
he has achieved the objective. And that is to free his heart from any other competitor with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even his own son. The question now is how do we do that? Because we have a lot of competitors. We love a lot of things. And there's nothing wrong with loving things. There's nothing wrong with loving people. There's nothing wrong with loving your career or loving your big fancy house. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem comes when that love is, it, 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 it competes with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is a wrong and a right way to love. And for you to have and for me to have a beautiful heart, we need to learn how to love in the right way. And the right way to love is to love in a way that does not compete but helps with the, with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That does not compete but actually enables that, that the, the, the highest form of love. That's why when someone comes and says, I love you for the sake of Allah, this is, this is a sort of a vague concept. But this is the highest form of love. Why? Because it means that I love you because of Allah. It means I love you through Allah and I love you for Allah. You love people who bring you closer to Allah. You love people who Allah wants you to love. And that becomes the, actually the highest form of love. It's interesting to know that for you to really understand which kind of attachments you have or which kinds of things compete with the love of Allah in your heart, you just have to look at what things cause you the most pain in your life. Because this is the nature of competitors with Allah in the heart. They don't, they don't, they're not supposed to be there. And so if you put something in a vessel that's not supposed to be there, it causes a lot of problems. Okay, one example that I use in my classes is that you take your car and um, you decide that, you know, petrol is expensive that day. So you decide that since orange juice is on sale that day, you're going to take the orange juice and you're going to put that in the gas tank instead of the, the gasoline or the petrol. Now, if you do that, we have a kid here who can tell us what will happen. You don't have to be a mechanic to know what happens if you put orange juice in a gas tank, right? First of all, at the very least, your car isn't going to start. It isn't even going to run. But moreover, you're actually going to break the car. You're going to break the car. Why? Because you put orange juice in a gas tank. The gas tank was only created to be filled with gas. It was, it cannot handle orange juice. What happens when we take our careers, or we take people, or we take status, or we take wealth, or we take fashion, for God's sakes, and we love it as we should only love Allah, and it becomes a master for us. You know, like, we hear and we obey. You know, we do this with fashion, by the way. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna have to say this. We do this with fashion. Fashion commands and we obey. And it doesn't matter what it commands us to do. Because I'm just going to say this. The way we dress today, in both men and women, alhamdulillah, the way we dress today, we would never be caught dead in some of the clothes we wear today five years ago. Someone told us, wear those pants without, a sh without you know, with like a short shirt. We would say, over my dead body. Are you kidding me? Those are tights. But you see, somewhere along the line, we got totally taken along because fashion said so and we become became desensitized so fashion says and we obey this is this is this is like obedience right we hear and we obey but this is the problem we as an ummah need to be more firm than that we can't allow other things to dictate how we live we can't be we can't be slaves to anything else you know one of these one of the companions, when he came to teach the people about Islam, said something very, very profound. He said, I have come to free you 
from the slavery to the slave and bring you to the slavery of the Lord of the slave. You see, in this statement, you find exactly what it means to be free, true liberation. It's that I don't have any other masters other than Allah. Meaning, meaning, fashion is not my master. It means money is not my master. It means status is not my master. You know, one of the, one of the biggest masters that we take as a community, typically, is this thing called, what are people going to think? <laughs> yeah. What are people going to say? Right? And when I say it's a master, this is why I say it. Because we actually dictate our lives, how we act, how we don't act, what we do, what we don't do, what we say, what we don't say, based on how are people going to view it, what are people going to think, and what are people going to say. And we actually teach our children this too. We actually, I mean, to the extent a woman could be, could be beat up by her husband, beat up to a pulp, and her own parents tell her, no, 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 go back, because what are people going to say if you get divorced? That's slavery. That's slavery to what people think. That's not called being a slave of Allah. That's called being a slave to people. That's called being a slave to what people think of you. That's not what it means to be Abdullah. To be Abdullah, I say, that means that I'm only a slave to Allah. I'm not a slave to what people are going to say and what people are going to think. That's not why I live my life. That's not how I live my life. That is a form of slavery. And so when we say this, this concept of the heart being clean, this concept of the heart being healthy, it means that there's no orange juice in there. There's nothing in, there's no competitor with Allah. In, there's no orange juice in the gas tank. I didn't take what people think, what people say, and then start worshiping it. And start living my life based on that. That's a type of worship. That's obedience to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you really want to free yourself, do it, it's, it's as the companion said, I have come to free you from the slavery to the slave and bring you to the slavery of the Lord of the slave. We take a lot of different forms of masters. What people think, what society is going to say, how much money am I going to make? These become that which control us. Now I'm going to I'm going to say this because all of this still is rather conceptual. How do I know? How do I know what's my orange juice in my gas tank, right? How do I know what is it that's competing with Allah in my heart? You know there are ways to know. And there are symptoms. Among those symptoms is this question, what causes you the most pain in your life? What causes you the most anxiety in your life? What causes you the most fear? What are you most afraid of losing? And you know, the thing is, whenever you study your anxiety, you will find that your anxiety is linked to your attachments, linked to those attachments which are not healthy attachments. Because you will always be terrified of losing those things which you are attached to in an unhealthy way. So if you want to ask yourself that question, you want to find out what's in my heart, what's, what's filling my heart, just ask yourself those, just like maybe five, six questions. What do I think about all day? What do I think about before I sleep, first thing on my mind when I wake up? What makes me most afraid? What am I most terrified of losing? And what causes me the most pain in my life? And what you'll find is this. A person who is obsessed with their career, this, the answer to these questions is their career. Their career becomes that which causes them the most pain. The attachment to their own child. I know I have a lot of mothers in this room, and the answer to these questions is my kid. 
It's my son. It's my daughter, right? Yeah? No? Yeah? What you're going to find is it's, all, it's also possible to have an unhealthy attachment to your own children and to your own spouse. And this is something Allah actually tells us in the Qur'an. He lists in Surah At-Tawbah, I believe it's eight different things. قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاءُكُمْ Say if your fathers وَأَبْنَاءُكُمْ So here Allah now lists these things and He says, say if your fathers or your sons, your children, your relatives, your spouse, your spouse, your relatives, your, your, your business, which you fear decline, your home, which you dwell, you know, you're delighted with. If any of these things are more beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger, are more beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger, so then just wait until Allah brings about His decision. See, this, this ayah is very interesting and it's actually very, it, it's something that should shake us inside. Because every single thing in this list, every single thing in this list is halal. You understand? It's not talking about if your girlfriend is more beloved to you, if your boyfriend is gambling and drinking. It's all halal. It's your parents. Are we not allowed to love our parents? Our children, right? Our spouse. These are all halal. And in fact, we're supposed to love these people. We're supposed to love these things. Your business. It doesn't say your haram business. Your business. Your legitimate halal business. Your home. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home. But if any, here's the problem. If any of these things are more beloved to you than three things. Allah, His Messenger, and striving in His cause. That is where we face a problem. So what I want to say is this. What I want to say is this. We're all on a journey to try to beautify our hearts. That's the journey we're on. But in that journey, there's, there's work that we have to do. Because we as human beings, naturally we love these things. We love the gifts that Allah gives us. But here's what I have to warn you against. And warn myself against. Is that sometimes it's possible that when you're given a gift, you might begin to love the gift more than the giver. You might begin to love the gift more than the giver. All of these things are gifts. Your money is a gift. Your, your status is a gift. Your, your power, your ability to think. Your children, your family, your spouse. All of these things are gifts. But be very, very careful about loving the gift more than the giver. That's when we face a problem. Because if I decide that, you know, I really love my friend and I want to give them a gift. And if I give that gift to them, the whole purpose of the gift is what? To bring me closer to my friend, right? And to build that bond. But if that person then takes the gift that I have given and loves the gift more, it's like, here, yeah, yeah, give me that gift and you, you can just go over there, right? So now I've completely, we've completely missed the point. The point of the gift was to bring us closer together, not for me to love the gift more than the giver. But this is what we do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gives us children, we love our children more than Him. He gives us money, we love our money more than Him. He gives us status, we love our status more than Him. He gives us beauty, we love our beauty more than Him. We refuse to cover it. Because you see, this is where it comes down to what do I love most. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told me that this is what beauty is. That beauty is in modesty, right? But society says, no, this is what beauty is. And it looks really different than modesty. And I have to make a decision, what do I love most? Do I love what Allah loves most or do I love what society loves most? When I'm told to cover, this is a sacrifice, right? 
This is part, just like I, I love my money, right? But Allah says, give a portion of it for the sake of Allah. And when I'm told to do that, this is where I have to choose. Do I love my money more or do I love Allah more? And similarly, yes, we love to be beautiful. But when Allah says cover it, I have to ask the question, do I love my beauty more or do I love Allah more? It all comes down to love because love is the greatest motivator. And whatever I love most is what I'm going to obey and I'm going to sacrifice anything for. In order to get this type of heart, this type of heart that does that has nothing in it that competes with Allah, not beauty, not fashion, not money, not status, not careers. In order to build that kind of heart, we have to go through a process called tazkiyah, a process of purification. And that purification is very similar to the type of purification that we have to do to take care of our bodies. So I'm just going to like leave you with this, um, just a few points, and, and, and very simply put it, the same way we take care of our body, we have to, in the same way, take care of our hearts and our souls. Now let me ask you this. What is the most important thing you need to stay alive? Like if you lost it for five minutes, you would die immediately. What is that? Anyone? Oxygen, yes, oxygen. Um, you, you can't live without oxygen, right? Even for five minutes, I mean, even for a few minutes, we would go brain dead and then we would die, uh, completely dead. Oxygen is necessary for the body to stay alive, correct? The heart also requires oxygen to stay alive. And the oxygen of the heart is the remembrance of Allah. If a person is walking around and they live their life and they don't remember Allah, it's like a person who's walking around and they just decide, no more oxygen. I'm going to stop breathing. A person who stops praying is like a person who stops breathing. Literally. Just because something is unseen doesn't mean it's not real. The unseen is just as real as the seen. But because we don't see it, we think it's not real. The heart also needs oxygen just like the body does. And the heart also dies just like the body does. What is going to kill a heart is when you don't give it the oxygen that it needs. And remember what I said at the beginning. There's only one thing that's going to matter. There's only one thing that's going to matter after all of this illusion is gone. All of this illusion is gone. Except for the one who comes back to Allah with a heart that is sound. So it's, it's in your best interest and my best interest to pay attention to what that means, right? Because nothing else is going to benefit us, right? So we need to pay attention to what it means to have a sound heart and how do we get there? We need to give, if a person is not praying, if a person is not remembering Allah, if a person does not, does not, is not close to the remembrance of Allah, this person may be walking around with a body, but the heart is, is deprived of oxygen and the heart is dead. The heart is dead. But you see, this is the thing about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah can give life to the dead bodies and Allah can also give life to the dead hearts. Even if a person has a dead heart, he can still come back, she can still come back and, 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 and Allah can give life to that heart again, but that person needs to come back to their oxygen. And that oxygen is in the salah, that oxygen is in the remembrance of Allah, in the Qur'an, in, in, in connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah tells us in Surah Taha, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةٌ ضَوْكَ وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى Whoever turns away from the remembrance of Allah, for that person will be a miserable, narrow life. 
And what's interesting here is this ayah is not only talking about the misery of the hereafter. This ayah is talking about misery in this life before the next. When you turn away from the remembrance of Allah, you live a miserable life in this life before the next. You may look and you'll be like, no, no, but look at them. They're, they look like they're enjoying themselves. They're not enjoying themselves. You see, you see, there can be the happiness of an animal. What's the happiness of an animal? Eating, sleeping, and reproducing. That's how an animal finds pleasure. There are, if a human being lives like that, if a human being lives only to eat, sleep, and, and reproduce, then we become no different than the animals. And we say, no, I'm happy. Yes, that's the happiness of a cow. That's the happiness of a cow, of cattle. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's, a, that's not the kind of happiness that a human being can reach. The true happiness is higher than that. It's higher than just the physical happiness. And isn't that exactly what Ramadan teaches us? Because Ramadan is all about depriving the body of the physical pleasure, right? We don't eat, we hardly sleep. We don't drink, and no intimacy. So what you've done is you've deprived the body of the physical pleasure, the animalistic pleasure. Why? So you can reach a higher pleasure. So you can reach a higher level of consciousness and realizing that yes, you may be starving your body, but you are feeding your soul, right? Because that, and that's the highest level of happiness. That's the true contentment. Indeed, in the remembrance of Allah do the hearts find that peace and satisfaction. It doesn't come from eating, it doesn't come from drinking, and it doesn't come from intimacy. It comes from the remembrance of Allah. So there is physical happiness, and then there is the true happiness of the heart, which cannot happen without the remembrance of Allah. It's impossible. Because the heart was made by Allah for Allah, and nothing else can fill it. Nothing else can fill it. You can eat all you want. You can have all the money in the world, but it will not fill your emptiness inside because that emptiness can only be filled by the remembrance of Allah. The gas, the gas tank can't be filled by, ga- by orange juice. It can't. It was created for only gasoline. And the heart can only be filled by the remembrance of Allah and feel satisfied. It will not find satisfaction anywhere else. That's why you find celebrities who have the money, who have the status, who have the fame, and they're miserable. They're miserable. They die of drug overdoses. They commit suicide. They have, you know, they're, they're, they have these addictions because there's this inner part that's empty and they cannot fill it with money and they cannot fill it with their fame. They can't. You can only fill it with the remembrance of Allah. And so if a person is, is distant from the remembrance of Allah, that person is walking around looking like they're alive, but internally they're dead. The heart is dead. They have deprived the heart of the oxygen of the heart. Salah, that is the first and foremost. The salah is the first thing we're asked about on the Day of Judgment. A person will be asked about their salah before anything else. And if the salah is okay, the person will have succeeded. And if the salah is not okay, the person will have failed. So you need oxygen, but what else do you need to stay alive? You need food and drink at some point, right? Eventually. The food and the drink of the heart is also the remembrance of Allah. And by the way, when I say remembrance of Allah or dhikr, this is an umbrella term that includes salah, Quran, dua, istighfar, all the remembrance that we do. This is all tafakkur, you know, reflecting on the signs of Allah. This is all part of dhikr. So we have two so far. I have two more for you. Number three, 
Um, what would happen if someone said, I don't need to take a shower today because I did that last October? What we, we would um, we'd have a problem, right? Okay, fair enough. Why would we have a problem? But when they took a shower last October, what's the problem? Okay, the problem is that naturally we are always accumulating what? Dirt and sweat. And so we know as human beings that we have to constantly be cleaning our bodies to keep our bodies you know, healthy, correct? The same goes with the heart. The heart is also always accumulating dirt from our sins. And so it is not enough to say, yeah, I, you know, I used to be, a, I used to be like clubbing and then I, I did Tawbah and now I'm good. I did that, you know, I took a shower last year. It doesn't work like that. We have to constantly be repenting. And that repentance, that, that showering of the heart is the istighfar and Tawbah. Okay, lastly, if I feed the body, I take oxygen and I clean the body, but then every single day I go and I play in the dirt. That's just like what I do. What's going to happen? I'm going to get dirty again, right? Naturally. The problem is that we need to also protect our hearts. We need to cover our hearts and protect it from the dirt that's around us spiritually. And the dirt that's around us spiritually comes from a few places, okay? All the openings to the heart, we have to guard those. The places where we can get poison poured into the heart are through the eyes, through the ears, and through the tongue. These are openings to the heart. This is like a person who has, you know, um, a really, really precious jewel in their house, and they're trying to protect this jewel, but they leave the doors unlocked, and they leave the windows open. In fact, they leave the door wide open, and the jewel's right there. Well, what's going to happen? They're, they shouldn't be surprised that a robber came in and took it, Right? Because they didn't protect it. They didn't even keep the doors closed. You see, you, ha- you and I all have a jewel inside called our hearts. That's a jewel. By the way, you better take care of it because you only have one, and you only have one chance of this life to protect it and take care of it. And after this life is over, if you didn't take care of your heart, you're going to have failed. It's, it's not going to be another chance. So you got to take care of this jewel. You have to take care of it. And the way to take care of it is you got to give it oxygen, you got to give it food and water, you got to clean it, and you've got to protect it. You have to cover the doors, close the doors. There's a reason Allah says to guard your eyes. Because when you guard your eyes, you're keeping the door closed so that people can't come in and take the jewel. Alright? And when we do not guard our eyes, everything we look at of the haram, it goes and pours poison into our hearts. And what we listen to of the haram does the same. And when we speak, what we speak also affects our hearts. Lastly, in terms of protecting the heart, if you're playing in the dirt every single day, no matter how much you took like an awesome shower, you're going to get dirty again. And this is what happens when we have bad company. Our company affects the state of our heart, and it doesn't matter how strong you think you are. Your company will always affect the state of your heart. As the Prophet them. You know, emphasize. He said that that a person is on the deen of his closest friend. That a person will become just like his closest friend. Will be on the same way as his closest friend. So what you should be very careful about is this. These people that you take as your closest companions, make sure there's someone you want to be like. Because you become like them. And if you've taken people 
people that you that are that are not good for you, then you're actually this is one of the causes of pouring poison in the heart. This is a uh, this is a poison of the heart. The Prophet said that good company is like entering a perfume shop. The thing is, whenever you enter a perfume shop, one of two things happens. You either go in and buy perfume and leave with perfume, or you go in and you put on all the samples and you come out smelling better, right? One of two things will happen. This is like good company. Is The fact is that even if you are not exactly like that person, just being in their company affects your heart. That you will come out smelling better. He says good company is like entering a perfume shop. You will come out smelling better even if you don't come out with perfume. And bad company is like entering a blacksmith's shop. Even if you don't get burned, you come out with your clothes smelling bad. That's what it means to have bad company. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this journey easy for us. And to make Ramadan an opportunity to get closer to Him, to purify our hearts, to strengthen our hearts. I'll tell you this, and this is, you know, extremely comforting to me, and inshallah be extremely comforting to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyul insanu innaka kadihun ila rabbika kadahan thamulaqeen. Oh mankind, you are ever toiling, ever painfully toiling towards your Lord, but you shall meet Him. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you, and please do keep me and your and my family in your dua.